Good evening. The calm Christian again. I hope you're well. I had a good day today, relatively speaking. Better than most. I was trying to think what I wanted to say to y'all. Because I want to bring topics. And I want to bring Jesus to you. But I can't be totally objective. And in a way, being objective is like being robotic. Like transactional. It's very left brain. I came from a very left brain, legalistic, law church. I had very many wonderful friends. I was brought up in it. But later on in life, I thought that it began to dawn on me that Jesus Christ is relational. He's more right brain. And I consider this to be a major epiphany. And I shifted and got out of the church of my youth when I was 53 years old and came to the church I'm presently in, which is the Baptist church. The Baptist church to me is more Jesus-centric than what I came from. A lady said to me, Did we have, do we have it all right? The answer is no. But for me, it's a closer fit to Jesus than where I came from. I don't agree with some of the doctrines. Oh, I agree with the relational doctrines that Jesus preaches in Matthew 5. I agree with the fruits of the Spirit as being relational commandments. That to me is non-controvertible. It's close-handed. It's being Jesus-centric. It's loving Jesus, being in prayer continually. Even if you're not with your eyes closed, you're still talking to God, even with your eyes open while you're doing your work. There's a continually stream of information going from your head to Jesus and back again through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is connecting me to the Father. And when I make a mistake, I ask for forgiveness. And I say I'm never going to do it again. My friends, I did do it again today. And it's an ongoing struggle to be perfect. Jesus makes me perfect, but I still have to strive for it. Not quite there yet. As Joyce Meyer said, I'm not where I want to be but I'm better than I used to be. And one thing that upsets me about Christianity, <clears throat> I guess pe people, and about where I come from, and now where I'm at, is kind of the lack of the fruits, the lack of the patience. I was on Facebook and Twitter, and I got off, got back on, got off, got back on Twitter same and I guess we all like to have certain beliefs and I just noticed with Facebook Facebook is just full of silos of people 
who say they're Christians. That's right. So they say they're Jesus-centric, which is cool. But they're just arguing their own little hermeneutic, their own little silo. Right? They're, they just, they live in the silo. There are people who live on Facebook. They have real bodies. They live in real time. I don't know if they have a job or they're retired. I don't know what they are. But they live in their virtual reality world. They live there. It's like the old cartoons. I guess I'm dating myself. You know Gumby? He used to actually go into a book. It was him and that horse guy, Pokeroo. They'd actually go into a book and they'd be like having adventures of the people in the book. Like if they went into the book Alice in Wonderland, they're actually in Alice in Wonderland. It was like a clay cartoon. It was on Sunday mornings because I didn't watch cartoons. I was not allowed to watch cartoons on Saturday because it was the Sabbath for us. And so you have to keep the Sabbath holy, which were rules given to us by the church that I was in. And you didn't watch TV on Saturday. You didn't do your own pleasure. You didn't go to the store and buy groceries. You didn't go swimming. Although I did go swimming later on in life. Like when I was in Daytona Beach with my parents. You know. When I became more liberal, I guess. Because when I grew up in the church that I came from, it was way very rigorous. And people would call us legalism and legalistic, and that would upset me. Like, how dare you call me that? You know, Christians would say that, and you seem kind of loose, Mr. Sunday person. And now I know why I believed what I believed. Now I know why I believe what I believe now. And going back to the present, like, I'm amazed. Jesus said to worship him in spirit and in truth. Actually, he said to worship the Father, God our Father, in spirit and in truth. And there are people that are worshiping God in truth, and they have to argue with other people and label them and slam them like voraciously, voraciously. That's all they ever do. Argue, 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 battle, battle, battle. I'm not telling you to do that, and I'll tell you why, but I'm not telling you not to care about having an opinion. I'm not asking you to care. I'm not asking you not to care. I'm asking you to be calm. Everybody is opinionated. You have a right to your opinion. You can change your opinion. I think with Jesus in your life, you can change your opinion. You might have an opinion when you're 30 years old. And through time and experience, you might become open to something that's that you wouldn't have believed before. And when you hit 40, you've got 50% of what you originally had, 50% of new ideas, and maybe, maybe it shifts into a new opinion. And you're saying, oh, that's being loose. I'm not saying to be loose, because I'm saying, remember, you're Jesus-centric. You're united, united in Christ, united in God, united through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not united by what you believe. A lot of people say I'm this and that Christian or I'm a Baptist Christian or a Lutheran Christian or a Catholic Christian. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not a Baptist Christian. Baptist is a denomination. It's a man thing. I don't describe Jesus by the man adjective. The man adjective describes how I live out Jesus. I'm a Christian that happens to be in the Baptist denomination.
and I went there because it was Jesus-centric, not Saturday-centric, and not the person in the church that I grew up who said they were a prophet. They're not. To me, they were a wolf in sheep's clothing. To me, it was a toxic narcissist, and she's currently dead and in the grave. She's not my mother. She's not my stepmother. She's not my savior. She's not my go-to gal. I won't read her books. And in all honesty, she was a smart person, but I think she's an antichrist. She has no right to make the comments that she did. And I want no part of her. And I left that Saturday church, primarily because the Sabbath was a noose around my neck Saturday. And partially because I'd had enough of that person claiming to be a prophet. My savior, my prophet, my king is Jesus. And I'm going to be calm about it. I want you to think about what I'm saying. I'm not here to tell you what to think. Matthew 7, 14 and 15. For the gate is narrow and the way toward is hard that leads to life. And those that find it are few. I don't want to miss that. It says few, my friends. Few, F-E-W, silent E, as Fred Flintstone would say. Don't play with Jesus. Do not give him away. Do not compromise Jesus for anything and anyone. Because no one can sanctify you except God, except Jesus. No one. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what version of the Bible you want to walk around with. I don't care how you're dressed for church. Personally, I always dressed in a suit, including a tie. Now I come to the Baptist church. I see people walking around in socks and casual. It was never my bag. But I came to realize it's not my job to tell people what to do. And why is that? Because I wish to be an other-centric Christian. And Driscoll's opinion, his advice is ringing in my head. And Mark Driscoll, I love him. I think he's an absolute peach of a preacher. Really enjoy his preaching style. But he's not my savior either. But I'll take advice from him. Other-centered Christians apply law to themselves and grace to others. And a self-centered Christian, he said, somebody that I would think is a carnal Christian, somebody from 1 Corinthians 3, is self-centered who applies grace to themselves and law to others. So I'm going to read some passages here. I want you to think about what I tell you. I'm not here to tell you what to think. Meditate on this. The gospel is universal. It's Jesus-centric, Jesus-only. But how you apply it, that's your choice. That's your choice. That's my opinion. And that's being other-centric. You're giving leeway and grace and freedom for others to not see it your way. Because the people on Facebook and Twitter, some of these so-called, quote, Christians, unquote, have not figured this out. They're hammering people, trying to get them in their opinion. I asked the guy, why are you speaking to somebody like this? Because I asked some dudes that I agreed with in truth, why are you talking to them like this? We have to tell them the truth. But you're calling people names. You're dismissing them. We have to tell them the truth. They don't know the truth and we have to give it to them. 
God called you to be a servant, not a Rottweiler. They're not speaking. They're not speaking spirit and truth. They're speaking truth in a spirit of ugliness. And I believe that's going to get you killed. Matthew seven. It says Matthew seven verse fifteen. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This false prophet lady I'm talking about who's dead, she wrote more books than she is tall. She's five foot three or was. And she wrote so many books. They, if you stacked them up, a guy said on the internet, they would be taller than five foot three. Scientific America voted her one of the top best writers in the world. And I say she's a false prophet. She's diseased and the things she said about Christians who went to church on the first day of the week, on Sunday, S-O-N-D-A-Y, or Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y, is false, misleading, and slanderous. And that's my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. And I don't need to argue it. Because there are some people in that system, and they think she's an absolute peach. And she's telling everybody about Jesus. I disagree. It's not my job to pull them out of that system. If God wants them out, you'll get them out. God decides. Now I want to read to you Romans 14. I'm going to read Romans 14 to you. Because to me, this is where, this is where in the New Testament, God is saying to everybody through Paul through the greatest Pharisee that ever was and who rethought everything and decided, Paul said, I count everything that I ever knew as dung. It wasn't to be discarded, but it wasn't primary anymore. Romans 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat, eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. This is the ESV, by the way. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or fails, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while in another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. I just want to stop and add my opinion. I'm not telling you what to think, but I want you to think about what I tell you. When I read that, I didn't know if it occurred to uh, about Saturday, about what I perceived to be the Sabbath day. It was hard to believe, but it was hard. But I, I think it did. And so on that decision of this, I made a decision. Saturday, the Sabbath, is not important to me anymore. 
That's not in my salvation map. That's not in my salvation chain. And I have every right to treat Saturday as a regular day. And Sunday, uh, which is the first, which is supposedly Sunday, whether it's the actual day Jesus rose, I don't know. And I care, but not that much. To me, the pattern in the scriptures is very simple. 6-7 in the Old Testament. And then it's 6-7 and 8. And 8 is supposed to be the number of new creations. So it's either the 8th day or the 1st day of the new creation, which most Christians would say would be Sunday. And that's the day most Christians are on. So you can worship on any day, including the seven. Including if you perceive that's the Sabbath, it's that Saturday. But for me, and you can have any day as a Sabbath. Any day, you apply your rules. When you say holy, what do you mean to keep Saturday or any day, any Sabbath holy? Does it mean abstain from the world? Does it mean not going buy stuff at the store? Does it mean not doing your grass? Does it mean not picking up your phone? Or maybe picking up your phone and browsing on it, that's your, that's your rest day. That's where you get to do something that's fun. That's the day you do all your dopamine hits. Um, get your dopamine hit by being on the phone. Hey, the ladies might like that, because eh? they'll just be on their phone continually. I've seen people walking with themselves on the phone. Like, they're in their phone. They live their phone. Their phone is their God. Hey, that's your God. Do the Sabbath rest before your phone. I'm being a little facetious. I don't personally care. I've seen some ministers that are very nice, but they want to get back to, you know, Sabbath with Sabbath being the Sunday. That, that's fine. That's their opinion. People have said, okay, no, Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. If any day was ever the Sabbath, it's Saturday. How would I know? It doesn't say sa- Saturday in, in the scriptures. You, anybody see the word Saturday? doesn't say Sunday in Bible. Revelation one ten says, I saw him on the Lord's Day. I don't know if it was Sunday. I can't honestly say from one verse you think it's Sunday. I have no idea. I think Jesus did rise on Sunday, the day after the Sabbath, which everybody thinks is Saturday. And people have told me Jesus rose on Friday. Oh, sorry, Jesus died on Friday, the sixth day. Oh, no, he died on Thursday. I don't know. Hey, he died on Wednesday. He, ro- he died on Wednesday and rose on Saturday, so we're going to call Saturday the Sabbath day. I don't know. Hey, that's your opinion. But the problem is some guy rises up. He's charismatic. He jumps on his interpretation and he makes it stick. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people follow who don't really vet out anything in the Bible. And all of a sudden, it becomes a doctrine. It becomes something to live or die over. Hey, you know what? Power to the people. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to be led by somebody else's opinions. Read the Bible. Pray about it. Get on your knees. Ask the Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do with this, Lord? Then go and get different opinions. Go and get, don't, don't stay in some tiny little group because you agree with all the hermeneutics, all the ideas. You can agree, but you don't have to. You're not bound by what some human teacher thinks. Human beings will never have the whole understanding and they'll never be 100% aligned to God. Are you relational over informational or are you informational over relational? But a lot of Christians, they just kind of keep tight to their own preconceived notion. And how dare you question them? How dare you? How dare you have a different opinion? You're a bad person. You know this old man? 
my wife and I went to see him. He was part of her culture. You know, he was Yugoslavian. I don't know what he was. And you know what? You, people with gray hair, or white hair, sorry, some of them are wise. Some of them are pretty ignorant. And he didn't seem particularly Christian to me. He wasn't really bent on it. He just wanted to get to the church. He wanted to have a companion get to the church, but he was, you know, trapped in an aging body, and he was in this old age home. It was kind of sad. You know what he said? One bit of information. When all agreed, somebody lied. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious and very, very wise. When all agreed, somebody lied. Sometimes people don't, they don't agree, but of course they're not going to say anything because they really don't know what to say. Or maybe they don't care. You know what I mean? Maybe they honestly don't care. Or maybe they're afraid if they say something, um, they're going to be persecuted. That's kind of sad, eh? I think that's kind of sad. When all agreed, somebody lied. And now we have Facebook filled up with Christians thinking that they're doing God a favor by fighting all their little battles. Information will never sanctify you and change your heart. Usually people camp out on their tiny little hermeneutic. That's called an opinion, a hermeneutic. They think their hermeneutic is totally what God is saying. They call that the exegesis. I'm pulling out the truth. How dare you question me? Everybody has eisegesis. Everybody has read something in the Bible and has read their subjective opinion and bias into that verse. Whether you believe it or not, that's what my opinion is. And I offer my opinion to you. I don't throw it at you. Now, can we continue with Romans 14? Because my podcast is getting a little bit long which was kind of what I wanted to avoid. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you in the spaces. Consider the matter, O Son of God. Consider the matter, O Daughter of God. Consider the matter, Servants of God. Please. Where can I get back to Romans 14? I'm going to read the rest of it. And then I'll close. Verse 7, Romans 14, verse 7. None of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. If we live, remember something, the whole Bible is being written in the New Testament especially to believers in God, God-fearers. And the New Testament is obviously written to believers in God, God-fearers, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of God. He's the Son of God. He's God in flesh. He's the Son of God, but he's also equal to God because he's relationally exactly like God. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Imagine. Every, does that mean all the sinners? Does that mean at the end of the world? Does that mean Satan's going to bow to God? He's going to say, you were righteous and I was not. Because in Revelation 20, I believe Satan's going to die. Whether he's burning forever or he's going to get pulverized by fire, I don't know. Folks, I care 
but not that much enough to argue about it. He's going to die, and the people with him are going to perish. Whatever that means for you, however your brain resolves, I think it's Revelation 19 and Revelation 20. There's a lot of dying and killing. And I believe that that has nothing. The saints will not be the ones who are being died, being killed, or the ones who are dying. Not the saints. You're with Jesus. You're with Jesus. You you've been, you're invulnerable to sin. Death has no power over you anymore. So the only people to me that will die are those who are the arrogant and the proud. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I, I just. It's like Revelation 19 and 20 have a lot of pieces of the puzzle, of the doom of the unbeliever. Don't quite know how the events are going to transpire. I don't need to know. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord and lean not unto your own understanding. Does it mean you don't have to read the scriptures? No, for me it doesn't. I have to read the whole thing from cover to cover. Whatever order I want to do it, whatever version I want to do it, reading the whole thing. I beg everyone who listens to me, please, Read all of God's word. Have fun. Find a version that your brain fits with. And if you think there's mistakes in it or gaps, you can always refer to the King James or whatever it is your go-to standard. But please, instead of waiting for the perfect bias, just read something. Read 75% of something rather than 0% of the, stand, of the version you think you should be reading. If you say, I should be reading this version, and I'm not going to read this other version, and you never read the version you say you should, how, how did you win? I don't tell you what to do, folks. I ask you to think about what you're doing. I ask you to think about what I'm saying. I beg you. You wouldn't respect me if I didn't Im implore you to read Holy Scriptures. You would just think I'm loosey-goosey and I don't care. Of course I care. I'm very conservative. I apply law to myself, but I apply grace to you. It's up to you. I can't force you to do anything. God, does a, God died to give you choice. Why would I, somebody you don't even know, who says he is a Christian and a Jesus follower, why would I take that away from you? Verse 12. So each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. The names that people call other Christians who, who, who disagree with them, that's not Christian. That's why everybody says religion is bad. When that happens, Jesus is the one who gets the black eye. Jesus' reputation gets the black eye. Not just those people. The whole of relationship with God and religion with God, pure undefiled religion. Jesus gets a black eye. He did all this work. He did all the heavy lifting. He died on the cross. He died for you. He died for me. And this is how the world treats him because of a couple of really petty, arrogant, proud people who say they're Christians, quote unquote, who think they're doing God a favor. Please, my friends, don't be those people. If you want to hang out in the silo, fine. But when they're just, just full of themselves, patting themselves on the back, how they've arrived the truth and everybody else is false, don't partake of such a proud spirit because the Bible says the humble shall inherit the world, not people who are proud. Not 
not self-centered, quote-unquote, Christians. They won't inherit. They're going to inherit hell and fire and death. Don't be part of that crowd. Don't be part of toxic religion. Don't be part of toxic, self-centered religion, patting themselves on the back, thinking they're in the tent next to God on Mount Sinai. Don't do it. Please. I want you to live. I want to live. I want Jesus to take me. He doesn't owe us anything. You're not doing God a favor by believing in Jesus. Some people act like the fact that they go to church, sit their butt down in a chair and hear a sermon that somehow entitles them to the pearly gates. Not going to happen. I know and I'm persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom God died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, right oneness with God, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whatever, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Well, a lot of men think that if you uh, uh, serve God, you better do it the way they do it, and they won't approve you. The, the, the people, the religious leaders in Jesus' time, they thought they were working for God. And Jesus said to them, you know what? You don't know me or my father. You're not in a relationship with me. You're not in a relationship with him. You're clueless. You're transactional. You're doing the right things. But Jesus says, you're dead inside. You're, you're like a gravestone. You're just a spooky graveyard of someone, the remains of someone who should have been so much better. Please, my friends, be better. Relationships, not information. Other-centered relationships. You may have to swallow your pride and change how you think, but don't surrender Jesus because he loves you. But you got to be like him to be with the Father. That's what Jesus is saying. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink, wine, or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. I don't quite know what this all means. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For who... Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I think it's saying that you can eat what you want, but if what you're eating, what you want, is not in keeping with your conscience, don't do it. Please. I grew up not eating pork or shrimps. When I came to the Christian church, there was like pork dishes. It was like a potluck. I sat down and I said, Lord, am I in the right place here? I sat by myself. I felt very dejected because it caused the consternation of my family to come to the Christian church. And sort of my voice, whether it's my voice or God, people say God is speaking to me. I used to question, I was like, give me a break. God doesn't speak to people. But I do have a conscience and it does speak to me. So I'll, I'll give God credit. God spoke to me and he said, it's not your job to be everybody's police officer about diet. 
If you don't want to eat pork or shrimps, don't eat it, but leave others alone. And this verse, this chapter says so. That's what it says. If you want to eat a little bit of it, eat a little. If you don't want to eat any of it, don't eat it. If you want to eat a lot, might not be so good. My Baptist mentor, and I say that in quotes, he's a very sweet man, said, oh, you don't eat um, um, pork or shrimps? No, sir. Is there a reason? I told him the denomination I came from. Oh, yeah, the, you people are very clean, very disciplined. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I, really, like, I really like shrimp. Okay. But I think it contributed to my triple bypass. <gasps> I thought to myself, why did you eat it? I didn't say it, but I thought it. And then he says, well, it's got a lot of cholesterol in it. I don't know. Does shrimp have a lot of cholesterol in it? I'm not really sure. It's just not something I would eat. But I, I used to eat pepperoni pizza before. I felt very guilty when I was hungry. I'd go down to the calf. There was like a cheese pizza there. But somehow that pepperoni on the cheese pizza just made it taste a little bit better. I'd eat it. I was hungry and I'd feel so guilty. I would feel this guilt. People laugh about this. But honestly, the weight of guilt on me, because I follow rules. I'm not a troublemaker. I'm not a, I don't question things. You know, I was told not to eat this food. Doesn't make, doesn't make God happy. Look at the Jews. They don't eat it. Oh, it's, it's, it's not healthy, which may or may not be true. But just, you know, it, it tastes good. So I just eat it a little bit. I've never eaten pork or shrimp. And I probably never will. Actually, I had sausages. I had bacon sausage. I had a bacon sausage once. Very salty. It did taste different. Personally, I like turkey bacon better. I don't see the bacon and eggs thing. Everybody loves bacon and eggs. I'm not really seeing the bacon love. I'm not feeling love for bacon. But I didn't grow up with it. But I love turkey bacon. And I love, you know, you know, sort of beef bacon, quote unquote, or, or, or chicken or turkey. Yeah. It's up to you, my friends. Don't feel guilty. You and God get together in your heart and decide. Bottom line, the gospel is universal. That's Jesus and Jesus alone. But how you do it, that's individual. And I think that's what Romans 14 is saying. Let's just get along, folks. That's what Peter said when the church was forming in Acts 15 and 21. Some of this stuff is a noose around our neck. Jews get together with Gentiles who believe in Jesus. Don't be immoral. Right? Don't be immoral. Don't uh, eat things strangled with blood. And there was something else he said too. I can't quite remember off the top of my tongue. Please, my friends, don't lecture other people about what you're doing. Just live it. Do it. Romans 14 says, everybody gets their own personal choice in how they do it. You're the apple of God's eye. And God doesn't want his, his eye fighting other people who are also the apple of God's eye. Don't fight other people who say they're Christians. Don't do it. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your spiritual health. It's not good for your emotional health. And you will re- release adrenaline and noradrenaline and add stress to your life. And you will subdue, crush out, or dampen God's spirit in your heart. How can you be close to God when you've spent an hour battling, battling, battling another Christian, arguing, and then you say, I want nothing to do with you. You're stupid. You're an idiot. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. How do you get close to God? 
with that kind of opinion. You can't. Because you're in fight or flight reaction. Love you guys. God bless.